0: We are in the middle of, towards the end of a series on Abraham, um, on our father Abraham, one of the greatest figures of the Old Testament of the faith in general. And we have been walking through this series, this season of Lent, following his faith journey, following his walk, uh, how God called him to do mighty things. God called him to take leaps of faith constantly, over and over again. Abraham was called by God to do something That he didn't think he could do Time and time again though Abraham's answer when God said Abraham was Here I am Whatever you got in store for me next I'm in We talked about that From the very first time when God called him from his homeland To leave his family And to go to a land that he'd never seen before And God just said It's going to be a land that I will show you You don't see it now but I'm going to show you So just go Leave everything behind, leave your family behind And go, so he does that And then he's called by God to leave and separate from his nephew Lot and to make a choice about where to go. Many times, over and over again, God calls him to do these wonderful things. And every time he says yes. Countless times, a few times, God said, uh, you know, I'm going to bless you with descendants so many that you can't count. Just like the dust, you can't count them. He takes them outside the tent. Look up at the stars of the sky. You can't count them, can you? No. No. Just like your descendants. That's how many there are going to be. Thing was, Abraham didn't have any kids. He didn't have any sons. But God fulfilled his promise. God fulfilled his promise at the age of 100. 100. Abraham had Isaac. Sarah had Isaac, but they had Isaac. And you know what? What makes me laugh about that is I'm 34, and my nine month old wears me out. I mean the dude just needs attention And he needs I mean I don't know if the other in the front row And he's a big fella So I mean he's just like everywhere And I can't imagine at the age of 100 What it must have been like to have a child Bam But he was so excited He was so happy Isaac means he laughs They were so full of joy that Isaac came Oh God finally fulfilled his promise I didn't think I'd ever see this day But here it is Isaac my beloved son Oh, I'm so excited. And then what does God do? Uh Uh-oh. You got your Bibles. turn to Genesis 22. This is what God does. God says, I've given you this promise. I've given you this child that you've been waiting for for so long. The heir to everything you own, the father, he's going to, from your line, will become many nations. Now I want you to kill him. Oh. Genesis 22, listen to this. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith and obedience. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am, as he always says. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you okay, I'm sorry, God, there must be some interference somewhere in the stratosphere because I, I I feel like you just told me to take Isaac and sacrifice him. And I know I can't be hearing you right because you promised this child to me for so long and finally here is this child. And now you're, I mean, that's, that'd be my reaction. I mean, this story that you probably have heard time and time again, it it gets a lot of questions to pastors. It gets a lot of questions from non-believers. It gets a lot of questions from believers. What's going on with God here? God all along says, I promise you, you cannot count your descendants. But the one you have, I'm going to kill. I'm going to ask you to kill him. You know, I had questions about this. When I first became a believer and I was reading through this going, I just, I don't get it. What's going on here? And then when I became a dad, oh, it took it to another level. It's like, are you, wow, are you kidding me? But watch what happens to Abraham. And see, here's the thing. Abraham doesn't have, he doesn't have this first verse here. Later on, God tested Abraham. He doesn't know it's a test. He doesn't have this. He doesn't know what's going on. All he knows is that God called to him and said, This is what I want you to do. Go to the land of Moriah and offer your son Isaac as a burnt offering to me. That's all he knows. He doesn't know the end of the story. He doesn't have Paul Harvey there to tell him the rest of the story. He's just going on what God tells him. And this is what he does. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him. Along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood to build a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place where God told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young men. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the knife in the fire. Think about that right there. He placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Isaac wasn't a baby. Isaac wasn't a child. He was a young man. If he was strong enough to carry this wood on his shoulders a good distance, he was probably a physically fit young man. Abraham's going through. So, he, I mean, he's, with, he's over 100 years old by now, and he's got his son who he has raised from a baby, and he places the wood, the very instrument of his death upon his back. And they start walking. Abraham is asked by or says there, Isaac says to Abraham, Father, yes, my son. We have the wood and the fire, said the boy. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? God will provide a lamb, my son. Man. I don't know what kind of anguish must have been going on in Abraham's heart right there. When Abraham looks up at his dad and goes, Dad. We forgot the lamb. And Abraham, knowing what God commanded him to do, said, God will provide a lamb. At this point in his journey, we don't know exactly what he was thinking. We don't know if he's thinking, okay, this is something by God that there's going to be a lamb when we get there. Like, whoo, yeah, there it is. Go, God. Or is he thinking that you're the lamb? God's going to provide a lamb. And you're it. Can you imagine walking up that hill, up that mountain and saying, and having your son ask you this question and having to know in your heart that he's the lamb. He says, God will provide a lamb. And they both went on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar and placed the wood on it. Then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. Think about that, parents. I mean, I can't even imagine raising a hand to my child. but He raises a knife to come down upon his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham! You know, Abraham went, oh. Oh, stop doing this yeah, I, I don't know what he said Abraham Abraham yes he answered I'm listening oh am I listening lay down the knife the angel said do not hurt the boy in any way for now I know that you truly fear God you have not withheld even your beloved son from me then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son Abraham named the place, The Lord Will Provide. This name has now become a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your beloved son, I swear by my own self that I will bless you richly. I will multiply your descendants into countless millions like the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. They will conquer their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. Through your descendants will come Jesus Christ. And from him, all nations will be blessed. All because you obeyed me. All because you were willing to do probably what you feared the most. What pained you the most to do. Give up your son. Now, there's a few explanations for this that you learn when you go through seminary. One of them is that God was teaching Abraham a lesson on child sacrifice. See, at the time that this was going on, child sacrifice was a big deal in that part of the world. It was going on. Many of the faiths believed in child sacrifice, and it was being practiced. And some people say that that was God's way of teaching Abraham a lesson about child sacrifice. I don't know. Other people say that that God was teaching Abraham a lesson that about children, that children are true blessings from God and are to be seen and cherished as such. That He wasn't talking about God; He was talking about children, and that childrens are such a blessing that they should be cherished. Boy, that'll drive that uh, lesson home, won't it? <laughs> Another one could be that. That maybe God was trying to teach Abraham a lesson on obedience. Seems kind of silly, though. If you look at Abraham's life, that's all he does is obey. God says, do this. He's like, all right. God says, do this. Okay. Okay. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Maybe it's not Abraham that needs the lesson on obedience. Maybe it's us. I mean, we get to see what's going on in the story, and we can read ahead if we want to to see if Isaac is actually killed. And if you've you know, heard the story before, you know that he's not. Maybe the lesson for us is about blind obedience to God, even when we don't understand what's going on. Because really, our human nature, our human reasoning wants to know what's going on. If you think about it, sometimes God asks you to do some weird things love your enemy. What What are you talking about? They're my enemy for a reason. You know, I don't like them for a reason. They're against me, whatever. I don't. Have you ever prayed for your enemy? Have you ever prayed for the terrorists? Have you ever prayed for Osama bin Laden? God tells us to. Love your enemy. That makes absolutely no sense, God. Okay, here's another one. Give 10% of what you earn off the top back to the church. 10%. This is tax season, God. That's, you know, wow, I'm starting to see what that adds up to. But
1: maybe,
0: maybe we're not supposed to understand everything because we're not God. And Isaiah it says that God's ways are not our ways and that his thoughts are not our thoughts. We're not God. So maybe understanding isn't the key thing that we should be doing, but obeying is. And if you look at the story of Abraham, understanding comes later, doesn't it? He's obeying, he's obeying, he's obeying. He puts Isaac on the wood. He raises the knife. The angel steps in. The ram is seen. Understanding comes. God will provide. He blindly obeys God. I know that God is good, and I have no clue as to what's going on. That's okay, because God asked me to do this. And then when things all over, he says, "God will provide." So he names the mountain. This is the place where God provides. God will provide. But how many of us want so much that understanding that we're willing to give up the obedience? The place where this occurred is geographically not that far from the Garden of Gethsemane and Golgotha. It's not that far from where Jesus Christ blindly obeyed god now granted christ was god so he understood what was going on he knew the end of the story he knew the beginning he's the beginning and the end so he's a little different place than abraham is but he had his moment he had his moment in the garden where he's down on his knees and he cries out to god remove this cup from me he says but not my will your will be done he was willing to do everything he was willing abraham was willing to take his son up the mountain and sacrifice him for his obedience and love of god jesus christ was willing to go up that mountain and to give his life and he did for his obedience and love of god now what is it what does god ask us to sacrifice what does God come to us and say, you need to sacrifice this to be closer to me? You need to sacrifice this to show that you love me. You need to sacrifice this so that I can show you that I love you more. I mean, I've never been asked to take my kid up to be a sacrifice. I've never been asked to give my life as a sacrifice. But God's asked me to give up some stuff. He's asked me to sacrifice some things so that I can know him more. What is it? I hope you're going through your mind right now and thinking, what is it that's holding me back? What is it that I'm holding on to that I'm not willing to sacrifice so that I can know God more? Is it money? Money centers in your life. It focuses your life. Your career is so important to you about the money, about the promotion, about the raise. You're worried about taxes this time of year. You're worried about where the bills are going to come from. You have a new child or a child on the way. You have a kid that's going to college and they've chosen a private institution, even though public schools are so much better. Just kidding. It's a family thing. But, you know, know, all these things and money is just a central focus of your life, and it's money and money and money and money. Or maybe it is your career, and you're so focused on the title the vice president, the president, the CEO, whatever it is, you're trying to move up that ladder. You're so focused on that. Or maybe it's time. Maybe time is that thing you need to sacrifice because you've blocked out your day with so much stuff. From the moment you get up, you have appointments and appointments and your, kid have a point, your kids have appointments and you have all this stuff going on that you go back at the end of the day and you look back. Where was your time with God? Maybe you need to sacrifice some time. Some stuff. Maybe it's alcohol or drugs that you need to sacrifice because they're holding you back from God. Maybe it's pornography that's holding you back from God. What is it? You know, for me, one of the big things in my life that I had to come and bring to the cross and say I'm done with was my past. It's not always a tangible thing. Sometimes it's kind of an elusive thing. It was my past. And if you've come here for any length of time, you know about my college days and the road that I travel and the path that I went down. And for a long time, it was a cancer that was eating inside of me because I knew where I had been and what I had done and who I was. I knew who God was, too, but I wasn't really ready to accept the fact that he accepted me. And so I held on to it. It was this cancer, this tumor that was inside of me. And if it was cut out, then there would be a big hole there. All the while, I knew God was saying, Let it go. Let it go. Bring it to me. I've already forgiven you. Forgive yourself. Bring it to the cross. Let it go. And let's move on because we have some things to do. You know, what is it that you're holding inside of you that you're holding because you can't imagine your life without it? And it's not always good stuff. What is it that you need to sacrifice? In order to get closer to God, in order for God to come closer to you. Because this thing is, you've built a wall up. Today we want to give you that opportunity to actually physically, tangibly nail it to the cross. There were little black pieces of paper on your chairs as you came in, there are pencils. And little cups at the aisles. If you are in an aisle, pass a pencil down. And this is what we want you to do. August and Daryl are coming up right now. And we want you to take some time to write what it is that you are holding. To write what it is that you need to sacrifice. That you need to bring to the cross and let it go. Whatever it is. If it's money, if it's pride. If it's alcohol or pornography or whatever it is, write it down. you don't have to write a paragraph. The reason they're small papers is so that you can just write one word. You know what it is. God knows what it is. The reason that they're black is so that no one can see it but you. Write it down. Take some time to think about it and to honestly, honestly look into your life. Because a lot of times that thing that we need to lay at the cross is so big and bold and bright and we see it and we know it, but we want to look around it. Because we're scared to look right at it. Look at it. See what it is. Write it down. And then when you're ready, when you've written it, when you're ready, come forward. There's some hammers and some nails up here and two pieces of a cross. Nail it into the cross. And as you walk away, remember the significance of that moment. That you have left it on the cross, that Jesus Christ, as he took himself to the cross, gave us the power and the right to do this. He gave us the beautiful moment of coming up here and letting it go and allowing him to give us forgiveness and courage and strength. Take some time right now just to figure out what you need to sacrifice. humbling sight to know that the sound of the nails and the act of the hearing the echo of the nails throughout the room I can't imagine what it must have been like to hear the echo of the hammer and the nails that went through Christ's arms and feet I can't imagine the moment that it must have been When the entire world was given the opportunity to be redeemed The entire world was given the opportunity to come And to lay these things on the cross To say, God, I'm sorry God, forgive me God, help me God, release me Whatever it is That Jesus Christ, through His actions Through His death and His resurrection Gave us the opportunity to do this To experience life And freedom Like no other possible way This week Holy week as we lead to Easter What I want you to do is I want all of us to do this Is to really pray about this To pray about what you nailed here today Not to remind God of what it is But to remind yourself That you let it go That you carried it up upon the mountain That you set it upon the wood And that Jesus Christ was sacrificed for it This week truly As we lead to Easter The time of celebration The time that the tomb is empty That sin has been erased That death has been swallowed up Remember these things And let them go That's what he asks us to do That's what he gives us the opportunity, and the power to do. This week, remember it deeply and personally. Let it go. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for being the God of love, God of caring that you are, for loving us so deeply that you are willing to give your life for us, that we might take moments, like these to come to you and to lay at the foot of the... to nail to the cross just as you were nailed to the cross, Lord. Those things that keep us from you. Those things that keep us from knowing you better, from, from loving you more and from allowing you to love us more. God, help us to truly release these things. To release these things so that they would never come back. That they would be a faint memory in our mind, only reminding us of your glory and your power. God, we thank you and we praise you for your son, Jesus Christ, who enables us to do this. In his name we pray.